welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. Hi, I thought I would give you an episode exploring the phenomena of A Quiet Place. I am going to divide the pod into three sections, a bit like our Tenet episode, which is episode 52. The first section will be a spoiler-free review and discussion of the film, A Quiet Place 2. Part 2 will be a completely spoiler-filled plot summary of the movie. Uh, And this is a film that is quite hard to review without spoiling major points, but completely up to you if you want to listen to that section before or after you've seen the film. There will be full spoilers. And then part 3 will be an exploration of hearing impaired actresses in Hollywood, particularly focusing on what's so good about Millicent Simmons, star of A Quiet Place 2, in her short but very influential career. So, part one to follow, spoiler-free review of A Quiet Place 2. The most important thing about watching A Quiet Place 2 is knowing what happened in A Quiet Place. So I'm going to quickly summarise that film, or at least the ending of it. As you may recall, some aliens came to Earth, which I think look like the Cloverfield alien from the film Cloverfield, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend. It's like a found footage alien film from probably, I think, 10 years ago now. Uh, absolutely brilliant and I definitely think there is a relationship to how the aliens are styled here. These aliens come to earth for some reason and in a quiet place we don't know why the key characters are living in the aftermath of that attack. These aliens have super sensitive hearing, these huge holes and ears on the side of their manky browny greeny Uh, slippery heads and they have four limbs and they're horrible and they can move really fast and they can hear everything and that's how they attract their prey earthlings the film follows a family led by Lee who is played by John Krasinski who is the director of A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2 his wife Evelyn played by Emily Blunt John Krasinski is her husband in real life and their two children Reagan, played by Millicent Simmons who is hearing impaired, and Marcus, played by Noah Dupe. They also had another child, Bo, who was killed by the monsters because he was drawn to a space shuttle toy which made noise. The end of A Quiet Place finds Lee trying to communicate with other people around the area that they live in, which I don't believe we ever find out where it is, but kind of looks like Northern California to me, by use of communicating via shortwave radios and making fires in high places in order to attract attention. A Quiet Place ends with a standoff between Lee and aliens and Reagan has a cochlear implant for her hearing issues which malfunctions and inadvertently played out via a loudspeaker which hurts the aliens ears allows them to get sufficiently disoriented that various members of the family can kill them also the most important part of a quiet place is that evelyn is pregnant again and she has to give birth in a simply stunning scene in complete silence 
So the poor family goes through an awful lot and at the end of A Quiet Place, unfortunately, Lee sacrifices himself to protect his family, makes a lot of noise and the aliens go for him. And so A Quiet Place 2 begins. Lee is dead. Evelyn has had a baby, which doesn't even seem to have a name. And Reagan and Marcus are still there in the farmhouse and they need to escape. I am going to assume that anything that's in the trailer that makes sense is not a spoiler for this review. So get ready. The first scene of A Quiet Place 2 is actually on the day of the attack, which is seen in the trailer. And that's where the aliens come to Earth. We don't know why, they just appear. They don't seem to be in spaceships or anything. There's just comets flying across the sky. And Lee is still alive living with his family in a small town where everyone knows your name and he goes to Marcus's little league game uh, where Evelyn is already there with Bo and while Lee sits on the bleachers he says hello to a character called Emmett and he is played by Killian Murphy who is sitting with his son also watching the softball game. Then We fast forward to immediately after the events of A Quiet Place and the film sees the family stuck in the farmhouse, fire everywhere, Lee is dead and they need to get somewhere else otherwise they will be attacked by the aliens because also the farmhouse has been flooded which was quite important in A Quiet Place. Gave some interesting stressful scenes. Reagan is on the rooftop and she's lighting a fire as per A Quiet Place and she sees another fire a few miles down the road and so the family with no other choice head towards this lit fire. It turns out to be stoked by Emmett who is now all on his own, his family having been to some extent killed by the alien. Now I want to be very careful about not spoiling the plot because this is a thrilling film with lots of jump scares and lots of exciting things that happen and most things that I say would be considered spoilers. So what I will say is Reagan comes up with a plan to help fight the aliens based on her cochlear implant horrible stressful device which hurts the aliens ears. Marcus hurts himself. Evelyn needs to go to the pharmacy. Reagan sneaks off on her own. Eventually Emmett follows her. There are three competing narratives. All of them involve scary aliens. There's also a super cool contraption for making sure the baby can breathe or being extra, extra quiet. And that's about all I can say. Each of the characters has their own personal and physical journey. Things happen. I jumped a lot. And basically, cleverness and tenacity win the day. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. Should you see this movie? Yes. Absolutely. You can see it without having seen A Quiet Place. It it exists on its own, but it's much better if you see it within the canon of A Quiet Place movies. It's an absolute tour de force in sound design and oral motifs as a way of telling a story, as well as these really 
good visual scenes that are scary and tense and use excellent CGI. And importantly, A Quiet Place 2 does the same as A Quiet Place, which is puts you in the position of Reagan throughout half of the film, as well as the hearing members of the cast. And we see what it's like to be a character who can't hear these very dangerous aliens and doesn't realise what sounds she's making and how that affects what she does, her bravery and her thinking. This film absolutely celebrates a character who in usual non-post-apocalyptic times would probably be seen as being impaired, which is what we, we say about people who are deaf, which suggests that they are less than. And very much in A Quiet Place too, Reagan is the character who is essentially the lead. This film kind of has three leads because it also has Marcus and what he's doing, but mostly the focus is on Reagan and her journey, both grieving for her father and the physical journey she's going on, plus Evelyn's journey who is literally going through the worst thing ever with a brand new baby and having to deal with all of this and her reckoning with what's happening and protecting her family as the matriarch Um, and I probably don't need to say much more except all the journeys conclude some interesting things happen and the end of the film isn't really a cliffhanger but it widens out the story so that there can be a quiet place part three and I think that this film was called part two for a reason because they want to start a franchise. I want to quickly talk about the use of female stereotypes and how a quiet place two confounds them. This was shown in a quiet place as well. Emily Blunt is known for a variety of films including action films like Edge of Tomorrow and she can shoot a shotgun, she can give birth in a way which I think is celebrated as to the really difficult thing that it is and how much inner strength it takes particularly in a post-apocalyptic world like this she has to make lightning quick decisions for her family and she has to not be scared of these huge beastly aliens and she's absolutely perfectly cast and Krasinski seems to understand that and maybe it's because he's married to her and he's seen her give birth to two of their own children that being a woman a mother and a matriarch are qualities that really require strength and forethought and should be celebrated on film. And Quiet Place 2 does the same thing, although I would say that Evelyn doesn't get to do quite so much as the first film because she has to look after a practically newborn. And that's where Millicent Simmons' role comes in. A Quiet Place 2 is jumpy, it's not really too horror. It is scary, but I would say it's almost a family action adventure movie which celebrates a lead character who uses their impairment to power them and to gain their own success. Plus, I haven't even mentioned Killian Murphy. He's in it. He does quite a lot. He's moody, but he very much plays second fiddle to the female leads and of course that's why I wanted to review A Quiet Place too. Most people had finally given up hope.
Now for the spoiler-filled plot summary of A Quiet Place 2 in 13 minutes. The film begins on the day the aliens arrived. Lee takes daughter Reagan to son Marcus's softball game. Nearby sits neighbour Emmett with his son. Reagan teaches Emmett the sign language for the word dive. Then, the aliens arrive. Heralded by comets across the sky, people get into their cars and drive away. They don't know what they're doing, they're panicking, and then the aliens just go for them and kill everyone in sight, tearing them to pieces. Lee and Reagan hide in a shop. That's when it becomes clear that the aliens can't see people unless they make a sound. Cut to just after the events of A Quiet Place. The farmhouse that Lee, Evelyn and family had been living in is on fire and Evelyn now has a small baby without a name and she has created a device which is like a crib that Lee made in A Quiet Place but which has a lid on it and uses an oxygen container which means that she can transport the baby and the baby's still breathing and the baby doesn't make sound. Reagan goes to the roof of the farmhouse and she sees a fire burning across the way and she takes that as an indication that there's someone else trying to communicate. She also uses the shortwave radios that Lee had been using in A Quiet Place and desperately tries to contact people but nothing is happening. She has a portable radio, which is what she used to magnify her cochlear implant malfunctioning to hurt the aliens in a quiet place. And the family decide that they're going to go towards the fire that they've seen. They walk with bare feet across bridges and through forests, and then they are very close to where they think the fire is. A large disused steel mill and they trigger a bottle loud device which had been set up by the people that live there to warn them when aliens are near and obviously this attracts the aliens attention there's a stressful scene where the family have to run to try and get inside and they're found by someone in a cap and a beard and Marcus gets caught in a bear trap which has obviously been set up for the aliens and he screams, which is hilarious, uh, which draws more attention to them, but he's in an awful lot of pain. Evelyn gets him out of the trap. They finally get in, running away from the aliens to this stranger's compartment. He has an underground chamber, which is like a air raid shelter, which you can sit in for a few minutes only, but it's completely soundproof and airtight. So... The stranger lets them sit in there to avoid the aliens coming to get them after Marcus had made all that noise. And then they soon realise that the stranger is in fact Emmett, who we were introduced to at the beginning of the movie. He doesn't seem to be the same person. He seems very distraught and he did have sons and a wife and he won't talk about those. And then he wants them to move on. But because they have a small baby and they haven't got anything, Evelyn begs for them to stay. He says they can stay for a short while only. Then Marcus hears a song, Beyond the Sea, played on the radio and he can't work out what this means. Reagan, who's been doing a lot of work and following her father's work with analysing communication and radio waves, works out that the sound is coming from a small island near to where they are, probably a couple of miles away. 
and Beyond the Sea is saying, we are safe and we're on the island. She works this out even though she can't hear it, which is pretty cool. And then Marcus's wound is getting worse and the oxygen tank that's being used to transport the baby is running out of oxygen. And Reagan knows that she has to do something. She believes that if she takes her machine, that can amplify her cochlear implant distraction sounds to the island, then she might be able to play this on the speakers, which will be across America or across a section of America, which will save people. So she decides to continue her father's work in her grieving state, runs away with a shotgun, the amplifier device, and her implant and a small rucksack. She thinks she knows exactly where the island is. She thinks it'll only take her a day or two. She tells Marcus and then she leaves. Evelyn wakes up and is obviously distressed to find her daughter gone. But she also knows she needs to go to the pharmacy in order to get medicine for Marcus so that his foot doesn't go gangrene and more oxygen tanks for the baby so that they can still have the baby outside of the airtight chamber because you can only stay in that for a few minutes. Emmett is very reluctant to do anything. He just wants them gone. He just wants to grieve by himself. He draws lots of pictures of his children. He's obviously very sad and very lonely, but wants to stay isolated to stay safe and doesn't believe in humanity or kindness anymore. He just believes in the bad aliens. But Evelyn eventually convinces him to go after Reagan, saying, we're still good people. We want to help people. There are other good people out there. I know you've lost your family, but please help us. So he follows Reagan, which is good because Reagan is getting absolutely destroyed by the aliens because she can't hear anything. And she goes into this disused train and she doesn't realise that an alien's out to get her. She can't use the machine with the cochlear implant to make the alien go and not hear anything and shoot the shotgun at the same time because that requires multiple hands. And so Emmett saves her. Meanwhile, Evelyn decides to leave Marcus with the baby, saying you'll be safe here, just go into the air raid shelter if you need to, but I have to go to the pharmacy and I need to do this on my own. She goes on her own, barefoot, very quietly and quickly, and she visits the grave of her son Beau, which you may remember from A Quiet Place was a small cross on a bridge, and she puts her wedding ring there to signify that it will also be the grave for Lee. She gets to the pharmacy, she finds oxygen tanks, she finds medicine, and then on the way back, she gets caught by aliens again. Meanwhile, Marcus is getting caught by aliens. There's an awful lot of scenes involving water, which you may remember from A Quiet Place, acted as a good oral distraction because the aliens can't make out what humans are doing if they can just hear the sound of running water. Unfortunately, Marcus wants to see what's going on because he's a, I don't know, a young teenager who's being asked to look after a baby and is absolutely scared shitless because everybody's gone. And he unfortunately gets the attention of an alien which was following them before. And then there's a really cool scene where Evelyn has to shoot some things, uh, which I think are, yeah, there's fires and she has to, she makes a fire and then shoots the sprinkler system, which I cannot believe it still works which hides them and the alien is trying desperately hard to get Marcus who has taken the baby into the airtight air raid shelter and unfortunately the shelter had a towel which you just knew when you saw this would be a problem 
had a towel for keeping the door unlocked, but he hadn't used the towel in his panic and therefore he'd locked himself in the shelter and he is running out of air and he has to decide whether to share the baby's oxygen or they'll both die. Luckily, of course, Evelyn makes it just in time to open the air shelter, save them, but the alien does attack and the CGI is amazing. Meanwhile, Reagan and Emmett bond and Emmett realises that there might be more to this idea that there is still humanity out there. He is impressed by the bravery that Reagan is willing to take in order to try and get to these other people to help save them from aliens by use of her implant. And also we learned that he has kind of had kept his wife alive for a long time, like kind of the horrible man in Seven, where he gets tortured and by keep, keeping barely alive. And so we have a scene where Marcus gets freaked out because he sees the body, the withering away body of the finally dead wife, which I think is what kind of sent Emmett into this crazy spiral. Reagan and Emmett arrive at a nearby harbour so that they can get a boat to take them to this island. Unfortunately, as in all scary movies, there are some crazy locals who may well be cannibals. They're certainly very strange. And uh, they also might be rapists and they try to sabotage Reagan and Emmett picking up a boat. Emmett cleverly remembered that one sign language sign he had learned at the start of the movie. Congratulations, which is when you put your hands together and you put them downwards in a diving motion to signify dive and you realise that he is going to use that at some point in the film, classic foreshadowing. He makes that sign to Reagan so that she can dive into the water. She's in this net caught by these fishermen people and he then fights them off and we learn that the aliens can't swim. Reagan and Emmett eventually get a boat they escape from these people and some of these people get eaten by the aliens in the meantime or attacked and torn to shreds and they take the boat to the island when they get to the island they see it's run by um, a man who i don't think has a name played by jim and hunsu who says look at this lovely place we can't believe there are more people but you're very welcome there's families they've got nice houses they're having barbecues it's a bit like that community in lost if you've seen Lost, and everything's going very, very well. They find out that there's a radio station, and that's how they've been hearing the song Beyond the Sea. So Reagan's like, right, this is brilliant. I can explain to everybody about my cochlear alien damage thing. We can broadcast it across America, and then hopefully this will hurt all of the aliens. If it's this loud, maybe their heads will explode, or maybe we can kill them. So that's her plan. Unfortunately, there's a fly in the ointment, which is, of course... One of the aliens has managed to get into the hull of the boat they used to go to the island and the alien quickly escapes and attacks and kills virtually everyone. And then there are a few scenes where they're driving away and running away from the aliens and because these people haven't had much contact with them for a while, they're forgetting how dangerous and fast they are and they make a load of stupid decisions and they basically get murdered. And it's very depressing and it's that classic case in film of where uh, you think the hero's reaching their destination and then there's a major setback. It's very upsetting. And meanwhile, the, all the scenes with uh, Marcus and Evelyn and the alien and the water and the fire are going on back at the air raid shelter. Um, 
Reagan and Emmett are now on a race against time to get to the radio station so that they can broadcast the signal. And then there's a standoff between them being very quiet and the alien that has made it to the island because the alien seems to understand that maybe they shouldn't be broadcasting that horrible feedback because it will hurt him and kill him. Then there's simultaneous scenes, which is very well done, where Evelyn is fighting the alien and she's waiting for the sprinklers to come on has happened and then she's now put herself in the shelter with Marcus and the baby and she has bullets but she thinks the alien's going to attack. That's happening at the same time that Emmett decides to sacrifice himself in order that Reagan can get into the final on-air part of the studio and play the music. She does this right before Emmett's going to get killed and before Marcus and Evelyn are going to get killed, then the music plays out, it absolutely terrorises the aliens, and in both places they're able to use a shotgun to shoot and murder the aliens. Reagan hits her alien with a metal pipe, which she seems to lodge exactly in the right place in its head, and Marcus uses a shotgun to kill his alien at the steel mill, and I think that shows a passing of the baton to the next generation to protect themselves against these aliens. And then the film ends. <sighs> now for part three, let's talk about hearing impaired actresses. There are not many of them in Hollywood, that's for sure. And Millicent Simmons has been on my radar for quite a long time, about four years now, when I saw her in a film called Wonderstruck by Todd Haynes, which is a really lovely film with two parallel stories about children and a museum. Millicent plays a character called Rose and her story is entirely set in black and white and is in 1927 and she plays a little girl who is deaf and who wants to run away because she's finding it exceptionally hard to communicate with people because people are not willing to try and understand her and her parents make her feel quite bad and it's filmed in a way where there's almost a kind of silent era aspect to it and Todd Haynes uses a lot of old filming conventions to show what's happening to Rose including some kind of I don't know almost Charlie Chaplin-esque scenes but Millicent is amazing in it she's really watchable and you can see her frustration probably because it comes from the actual truth which is that in real life the actress lost her hearing when she was 12 and after some kind of blunder with her medication which sounds like a horrible way for a young person to lose their hearing Wonderstruck is really sympathetic to the issues surrounding losing one's hearing but it made me realise that we don't have that many movies and TV shows out there which celebrate what we would otherwise call impairment. I think that we do have a lot of Oscar Beatty type roles which look at 
something like hearing loss or blindness or another deprivation of the senses to be something that can be exploited by uh, an actor who doesn't actually have that condition and will instead pretend to be that way. Um, You can also look at Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot for something else there. And there's a controversy, I would say, nowadays about able-bodied actors playing those roles. So having Simmons on board playing a, a deaf character is already a step forward and that was in 2017 um she had previously been in a short called color the world which i wanted to play a bit of for you but is basically all music where she is signing also as a character who is frustrated at her mother's lack of understanding and what it feels like to be hearing impaired i think all of these films all serve to, if not celebrate, but to not denigrate a person for their inability to hear. If you Google deaf actresses, only one name is really going to come up, and that's Marley Matlin. She's absolutely excellent. She's been in numerous things, had a really long career and has won an Oscar. Deservedly so. But in a way, it feels like she is the one deaf actress that we have. And she's been working for a long time. So it's about time that there were more. There are other hearing impaired actresses working. For example, Katie Leclerc, who is in Veronica Mars, amongst other things. She didn't lose her hearing until she was about 17 when she was diagnosed with Meniere's disease, which means her and Millicent are able to speak. And Katie is actually able to sing and has had quite a famous career. She's starred in Annie and all sorts of things on stage, which means that Marley Matlin is basically the only actress we have who was deaf basically from birth she it was about 18 months old when she didn't have her hearing although I, I can't imagine many of us remember what we were listening to when we were less than 18 months old um and I think that disability is a subject that's so little reference nowadays of all the minority groups that we are hoping to see more of in film and tv and I think it's because in the way that skin colour and racial makeup should not be seen as something which impairs a person but just speaks to ingrained or institutional racism, people do consider disabilities to be a disability. There's inherently a problem in the world. And so I've tried to use impaired in the podcast. Um, Some people don't like the word deaf um and and other people don't like like to assume it's a disability because uh, particularly it's just a different way of living your life but one way or another hearing impaired actresses are not well catered to and that's why a quiet place and a quiet place too are such revelatory films because and i know i might be banging on a drum here they put us the viewer in a world where having hearing loss might actually be advantageous. It certainly means that Reagan in A Quiet Place 2 doesn't have the level of fear that the other characters have and she doesn't get distracted by noises. It also means that sometimes she can be rash and I certainly think that we've seen a lot of teenage actors on camera showing that 
headstrong nature and why shouldn't a hearing impaired teenager also not have likes and dislikes and fear and, and anger and silliness. The fact is we still haven't really dealt with disability on film. Marley Matlin won her Oscar for Children of a Lesser God, uh, which was released in 1986 and where her character is hearing impaired and that is essential to the plot of the film, which is set in a school for the deaf. And what people forget is that Marley Matlin in 1986, so we're talking 35 years ago, is still the youngest actress to have a Best Actress Oscar. People don't think about her age because they think about her impairment first. So Millicent Simmons is 18 years old and Marley won her Oscar when she was 21. So she has three years, less than three years, in order to try and beat her. But the real issue here is that there shouldn't be only two, maybe three, actresses in Hollywood that we can name in a 45 year period who have hearing impairment we should be making movies where we cast deaf actresses in roles where the hearing impairment is not the most important part of the role and it seems we haven't quite got there yet even with A Quiet Place 2. If you look at someone like Peter Dinklage and your mileage may vary on whether you consider his suffering of dwarfism to be a disability and something that harms him or not. He has had now a phenomenal career where he is no longer defined by the dwarfism and is defined by his acting ability. I only ask that we treat other impairments like hearing loss in the same way and the success of A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2 can show that not only is hearing loss not something to be condemned but that actually it can be an important part of a successful action horror sci-fi movie chain so here's to the continuing success of actresses like Millicent Simmons and I hope that more screenwriters producers and directors come up with material which utilizes their skills instead of showing them as weaknesses Thanks very much for listening to this episode. I hope it's helped you with any understanding of A Quiet Place 2. I hope you skipped the appropriate areas and I didn't spoil anything for you. I really appreciate you coming on this journey with me where we celebrate sound, the lack thereof, and that hearing loss is not an impairment to great acting. Until next time, see ya.